Hey there, I'm Fiona Lee and welcome to Inside Intercom. Our R&D team likes to say shipping is our heartbeat. To prove the point, we shipped more than 140 customer-facing features last year. But as product managers, how do you decide what to ship? How do you develop a product roadmap that's attuned to your customers and their goals? We've been thinking a lot about these questions lately, so we invited Deepa Subramanian, CEO of Wootrick, to share her insights on this topic. The first female engineer at Salesforce, Deepa left the company in 2006, and after a few interesting detours, co-founded Wootrick in 2013. She founded the company after realizing that customer feedback is a universal struggle for all businesses these days, given all the different ways we hear from customers. Think surveys, support conversations, online reviews, and more. Wootrick's feedback management software gathers feedback from all these channels and uses machine learning to turn all of that data into insights that teams can use to optimize their product. Deepa spoke with our director of product management, Paige Costello, about the trap that product managers often make, translating customer feedback directly into feature requests. They also talked about the importance of measuring customer effort, not just customer satisfaction. And last but not least, Deepa shares her team's experience building a machine learning model and natural language processing technology. Let's join their conversation. Deepa, welcome to the show. Tell us more about your career journey and how you found yourself founding Wootrek. Uh, I love telling the story. Uh, so I started in technology um, at Salesforce, actually. Uh, I was their first female engineer and really learned early on how valuable it can be to build a company from the perspective of your customer. And Salesforce did this not only for their product, but their entire revenue model is built around being easy and convenient for the customer. I think companies are realizing that, you know, the days of revenue-led, product-led company buildings over, and especially as you digitally transform, customer centricity is going to be your competitive advantage. And so I started there, and then I took a couple of detours, which will actually make sense someday. But uh, <laughs> I, I went to law school, and I worked in technology transactions for a couple of years, and then the entrepreneurial bug bit, and I started a bagel company in San Francisco, which, as far as product market fit goes, it was so amazingly easy to get there. <laughs> we had, like, lines out the door the first time I put up a little sort of blackboard. But I learned a lot from that, especially about how valuable it is to engage with your customer you know, in the middle of the experience, there's nothing like that person taking a bite of this bagel that you've just made and giving you feedback like, there's too much cream cheese or this is too expensive or something like that. So a lot of a lot of takeaways. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to shut Schmendrick's, my bagel company, for personal health reasons. But uh, in reality, I'm a technologist. I should have been in technology all along. So it is, I feel much more at home at Wootrick. The, the genesis for Wootrick really came about uh, from a conversation I had with the chief, then chief marketing officer of New Relic. They're a very successful company, huge user base. Uh, but when I asked him one day what his biggest issue was, he was like, I have no idea how happy my user base is. And I found this really confusing 
Uh, and I was like, well, how do you keep tabs on them? And he said, oh, you know, every three or six months, we send them an email survey. And immediately I'm like, oh, God, I've never answered an email survey. Have, have you paid? <laughs> so, um, anyway, so and then he was like, we get back all these spreadsheets full of data and then I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And New Relic is a developer platform and their users engage with them primarily in product. And so I said, hey, what if I built like an easy way for you to engage with your customer in the product and let's use something well understood and lightweight like Net Promoter Score. And he was like, yeah, sure, why not? And so I was prototyping this for him. Uh, Meanwhile, I did a little bit of market research and I found this problem wasn't unique to New Relic or SaaS companies (laughs) or really any size of business. Uh, Every business everywhere needs to keep a pulse on all of their users, their buyers, their product users, and at every point in the customer journey. So I got very lucky in that an old friend of mine, Jessica Pfeiffer, who her background is in sales and B2B marketing, came aboard to be my co-founder. We have very complementary skill sets and uh, we have been working on Wootrick for four years now. So what started as in-app NPS is now we've uh, developed a framework around very rigorous CX metrics, customer effort score, CSAT. We tie them to your CRM events, so you're triggering at the right point and the right time. Our approach to surveys has always been from the perspective of the person given feedback. So we make that experience really beautiful, lightweight, and rigorous, so the feedback you collect is high quality. And in the last year, we've really invested in machine learning and artificial intelligence to shift the discussion from what are my customers saying to, and you know, what are they doing in my product with my other uh, business interactions to why are they doing it. And so AI really helps you tease apart all of the qualitative customer feedback that you're getting, whether through surveys or your support tickets, and really kind of elevates the voice of the customer outside of organizational silos to a strategic decision maker. Yeah, I'd love to dig into more of your investments in machine learning as well and kind of how you scale and create clarity into what, what are your customers saying, what's working, what's not, and like, what does that really mean for your business? I think... Before we go there, it sounds like you really wanted businesses to make customer experience a top priority. Yeah. And that seems, it's really easy to say, but actually quite <laughs> tough to do. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what's preventing businesses today from doing that beyond kind of your founding story that we just heard. <laughs> I see a couple of things that stand in the way of companies being able to do this at the organizational level. Most businesses are still very siloed. You know, as a customer, I don't care if (laughs) I'm interacting with support or sales or success or marketing. Like, you know me, like, get my story straight and don't make it hard for me. Uh, And I think, you know, just elevating the voice of the customer out of these silos is is really important. Another thing that uh, we encounter is just as companies are discovering how important customer feedback is, uh, there's also survey fatigue that's setting in. You know, it's not just about sending surveys. Uh, You're just going to overwhelm 
customers. Customers love giving feedback, but make that experience or build that experience very carefully. You want to be smart about asking the right question at the right time in the right place to the right customer. You know so much about this customer. Be really creative about reaching them or engaging with them. And then um, finally, it's cultural and cultural transformation is really hard. There's no one way to do it. It doesn't come, there's no like top-down mandate. There's no, it, it's just, you know, it, it takes it takes time and courage and persistence and tools that help you kind of tease apart the noise from really what's important to customer centricity. So. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what you think the ingredients are for like really scaling mm-hmm. a personal customer feedback model because as you know <laughs> it's not super scalable to have the one to one versus the one to many especially as more businesses become subscription businesses and we're really growing and like thinking about the role of personal versus kind of like more automation yeah i mean uh, the easy answer is automation right but you again need to come at it from the user's perspective. Um, when when we think about automation, we're talking about again like having systems in place that ensure that someone's not getting surveyed too often, that you're in fact asking the right question. If you've only seen me interact with you via chat, uh, it's highly unlikely that if you reach out by email, I'm going to respond to you. Uh, you you already know this about me as a customer. So so be really smart and use automation and operational data to your advantage. I think the other perspective to this is there are ways to let the customer know that they've been heard. Uh, So, you know, one thing we encourage for uh, those businesses that work with us that have high volumes of customers. So a consumer enterprise like DocuSign or uh, Grubhub, uh, we encourage them to make their customer feedback programs public. Like, tell your communities you're doing this, and then when you get feedback back from them, you know, blog about what you've learned. And then, by all means, like, tie this to your product management tools. Like, when you actually build a feature that someone has asked for, There's nothing that makes a customer more happy than hearing that, yes, I listened to you. I added a new cream cheese flavor. So, you know, there there are ways to make them feel heard, even even if the first interaction is feels automated, if you will. You mentioned asking the right questions. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about how you help people who are using Wootrick ask the right questions and really really do this correctly because it's it's a little scary. It's a little easy to get wrong. Yeah, I, I'll tell you where we are today in this approach. Our approach has always been we're not survey monkey. We're not going to make you think up an entire VOC program. We have frameworks and defaults that will help you navigate all of the pitfalls of survey fatigue. And we've found that for SaaS companies, uh, there are really three critical journey points that you should absolutely engage with your customers on for feedback. Uh, The first is onboarding. And the absolute best way to get a grip on onboarding is to measure ease or effort uh, at that point. So we, we recommend that at the onboarding stage, when, depending on your product, maybe it's in product, you ask a single question CES survey. 
Mm-hmm. At the same time, there are a lot of support interactions going on. And at, at the end of a support interaction, and Intercom does this very well, it's, it's a fantastic time to ask CSAT, uh, how satisfied are you with the agent, with the support interaction? You guys do a very fun emoji thing. I think that is an, a journey point that you do not want to miss feedback on. But with these two in the background, uh, over the course of your relationship with your SaaS customer, about once a year, twice a year, you want relationship-based feedback uh, through a metric like Net Promoter Score. And you want to do this in a way that you know, they're not receiving two emails in the same week. They're not receiving a ping and an SMS. Like, so we have all of the sort of background intelligence to make sure that it's, it's executed in a really lightweight way. Um, so this is, this is one framework that we use to guide SaaS businesses to execute a lean but effective VOC program. And of course, as your business gets more complicated, if you're B2C, et cetera, the journey changes, but the approach is really the same. Be smart about when you ask them, uh, reduce bias. And then it's really about find a benchmark, find out what's going on, and then improve your scores. I'm less familiar with measuring customer effort. I've heard about NPS and um, CSAT and used them quite a bit in the past, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about like how you measure customer effort. And now that I know where to use it, <laughs> I'd love to know a little bit more about how it's calculated. Customer effort score is driven, like NPS, there's a quantitative piece and qualitative piece. It's driven off the question, how easy was it for you to do, blah, blah. How easy was it for you to check out? Um, it's a traditionally a zero to seven scale. And the follow-up question is, like NPS or CSAT, you know, tell us why you gave us the score that you did. And I think it is particularly salient, ease is particularly salient to onboarding. And we've had, I I won't mention the customer, but uh, there was this one particular customer who implemented CES for their onboarding. And they uh, discovered that they had you know, a lot of standard solutions, but whenever one of their customers was using a custom solution, they were having, uh, their their CES scores were so low, um, and then when they engaged with the qualitative feedback, they discovered that it was more cost-effective for the company to actually set up professional services when custom solutions needed onboarding. Now, if you weren't checking in at this time, you probably would have missed this almost business-changing strategic decision. Yeah, picking up on those insights. Exactly. I'd love to hear more about kind of the tool set that you think about when you think of how do product teams really get what they need end-to-end to build a roadmap that really fits the business. This can sound like an overwhelming answer, but every tool that you use can give you information about the customer experience. So your behavioral analytics is relevant, your support ticket data is relevant, uh, your intercom attributes, you know, those that CRM metadata is relevant. So really, all of these tools should be weighing in to your understanding of the customer's experience. But if that sounds overwhelming, I think a very lightweight traditional survey tool is not going to hurt. Just be cognizant of not asking too much of your customer. 
start somewhere. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm a product leader. And for me, being able to bring together something as simple as a here is NPS by the devices that my users access my product on is really revealing. And that only happens when you can bring together various data sources from different tools. So it's more about bringing them together than the separate tool sets you're using. Yeah, I, I you know, think holistically about all of your customer data sources. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode 1 is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that all businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service. And it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right? And see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. You spoke a little bit about uh, the evolution of companies from being revenue-led to product-led and to really trying to bring them into a new era of being customer-led. I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what customer-led means to you. I think probably I've seen on like the side of new PMs, uh, like more junior, more green PMs tend to be really uh, more naturally customer-led because it's a source of information and a source of meaning and insight, but sometimes they can be a little bit more likely to translate exactly what they read mm -hmm. into in a feature request into the roadmap precisely mm -hmm. in a one-to-one -one relationship where the customer feedback becomes the to-do list, which becomes the roadmap. Sure. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you think about customer-led companies and the strategic vision there. Sure. I think it's a, a really important question uh, and a, a trap that you can fall into just you know, prioritize your roadmap based on what the customer is asking for. Uh, I think as entrepreneurs and company builders, I think the way to think about it is that the innovation is your responsibility, uh, but you don't innovate in a vacuum. Uh, the customer is defining the problem space, and uh, it is on you to discover the root issues and causes behind their feedback and really solve for the whys and the problems there with your product and technology. Um, so that's what I mean by customer-led, not, um, 
you know, uh, <laughs> uh, have the entire enterprise user base vote on your <laughs> product roadmap <laughs> and then build a thing that rises to the top. I mean, that speaks directly to the robust machine learning model that you built and your teams have created to really collect and analyze feedback. Yeah. I'd love to hear about <laughs> what it really looked like when your teams went all in on machine learning and kind of the lessons that you've taken away from what that looks like when you're building ML into your platform. Well, what it looked like, it was chaos. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I want to highlight one thing about our approach that I think is is helpful to know. There are a lot of out-of-the-box text and sentiment analysis tools available. Uh, this is a wonderful thing. Uh, Google, Amazon, and Microsoft all offer these tools and, you know, 10 years ago, we, we wouldn't be able to do this with high quality. But the real danger there, and this, this is the first lesson we learned and it bit us hard, is that they are trained for corpuses that are very different from what customer feedback looks like. So generic solutions, generic models don't work. Uh, customers have a very specialized way of communicating with you. And furthermore, customers in different industries have a very different way of communicating with you. Uh, so we realized very early on, if we were going to build something high quality, and that was absolutely something we were going to do, we would have to take an industry-based approach. So all of our machine models are, uh, we have different ones for SaaS, for e-commerce, for insurance-based healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. And what this allows our customers to do is to give us a data source like their surveys or their app store reviews or their intercom support tickets. And we can out of the box classify it without having to train on your data, without having to train for your industry. Uh, and the results have been quite amazing to see. So uh, that's one lesson. Your models must reflect the tenor and the lexicon and even the length of the text that you're analyzing. Yeah. And the other lesson, so we're a small team, uh, and everybody knows that larger training data volumes lead to better uh, results. So we don't have the luxury of creating these large volumes either by paying for it or classifying ourselves. So we have to be really creative about working with small data sets. So what advice do you have for product teams working on ML? We try to build your models for both the specific space and speaker. So whoever's generating the text probably has patterns of speech, uh, lexicons, et cetera, that are really important. And uh, the other thing is uh, don't be intimidated by large competitors who claim to have better models because they have better training data sets. There are ways, creative ways, to get to high-quality models without that. It was really fun watching the teams here at Intercom uh, build their first ML product. Uh, when we launched AnswerBot, I think we experienced quite a few of the things you just described. <laughs> yeah. So they definitely resonate. So what's next for the Wootrick product team? Again, uh, our vision has always been sort of twofold. As you may have also seen, uh, the dynamic is sort of shifting away from surveys as being your uh, only source of uh, voice of the customer. And so 
With that in mind, uh, we are really starting to encourage or, or, or see the market ask for how can we harvest customer feedback from all of the other customer data sources that we have, especially support conversations, especially for product teams. Uh, there is so much there. So the insights are kind of shifting away from the traditional survey space. But that being said, there is always there is always room for a carefully executed uh, survey program. Uh, but I think adaptive surveys, surveys that can respond to questions that the or the issues that the customers are raising, uh, again, getting that right time, right question, right place, right, uh, is, is hugely important for us. And, you know, I, I, I would say the end, end goal for us is that transformation of a, you know, seeing a company transform into being customer centric. And so through these things, if we can drive more action, more organizational uh, what is the opposite of silos? Cohesion. <laughs> uh, those would, that's the holy grail. So you've been around since 2013, and I'm pretty impressed by how much the team's accomplished in that time. What's your advice for other founders and leaders about really building out a team that will last? I, t- <laughs> I err on the side of humility, but... Uh, this, I'm honored to always share this, but in, in you know, we've been around since 2013 and uh, we've never lost anyone on the team. And I'm so grateful for that. But if I reflect on it, uh, there's a couple of lessons here. Um, uh, you know, this is bandied about a lot, but it's really important. Uh, we set our, we developed our core values uh, just out of the gate very, very early on in the company, and we hire for those values. Uh, not in an exclusive way, uh, it's an additive culture. And one thing I, I really treasure is that everybody brings their whole selves to work. Uh, you know, whether uh, Lisa, our VP of Marketing, loves to talk about how dance inspires her. Um, I'm a new mother, I'm kind of obsessed with child development, but everybody gets to be their entire selves at work. I think that's really important for uh, our, us and my team. Another thing that's that's been uh, great for us is we have a DNA of customer centricity. I think in, Intercom, which we use, is a sacred place for everyone on the team. Everyone is on it. <laughs> everyone is talking to the customer and uh, it's I think you can't build what we're building well without that and so I think that that too is is uh, important align your DNA with your mission if you will and then um, you know I, I we I've, I've made mistakes and I, I would share this one uh, do, you know we're a lean team we're always trying to be lean but like, Give your team some stability. Like, don't move offices all the time. Like, there was a period when we were moving every six months. And this seems like a small thing. At a startup, you want to be agile. You want to save money. But, like, like create space for them to, like, grow and develop together. That makes a ton of sense. Thank you so much for your time, Deepa. Where can people stay up to date on your thinking? Uh, thanks, Paige. It's it's been really lovely to uh, chat. Um, I'm available on Twitter at Jumping Deeps. I say a few things on LinkedIn and uh, obviously the Wootreed blog.
Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Inside Intercom podcast. For more interviews, go to intercom.com slash blog or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. This is Inside Intercom. Inside Intercom.